This is part two of our two-part podcast, Breaking Down the Terry Rozier Trade. Make sure you check out part one for our immediate reactions to the trade and how Terry Rozier can help the Heat. We talk about the end of Kyle Lowry's tenure in Miami. After we went live for the show, we took questions from our listeners about more trade targets before the trade deadline and what comes next for the Heat. That's coming up next. You are locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Already going long, but we have a lot of people tuning in live, submitting questions. Huh. So, are you down to just kind of answer some of these questions? Let's let's go bonus <laughs> bonus good. overtime here for a Terry Rozier people listening in about Terry oh, Rozier. Who knew? Go. Who knew that Terry Rozier was that popular? West heads are showing up. The David heads are showing up. All the lockdown heat everydayers are showing up. I love this in the middle of a Tuesday afternoon. Um, you mentioned Does nobody work nine to five it? anymore. <laughs> Not when Terry Rozier got traded to the Heat. Everything <laughs> stops. Everything stops. Um, we talked a little bit about this, and I want to get to it before we get to some of these other names and moves that could be made now between now and the deadline. But Enzo writes in, what's the optimal starting lineup right now? I think it's a very interesting question. Um, let's just say Terry Rozier's here. Let's just, okay, everybody's healthy. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw Jaime Hawkes Jr. into that mix too. Let's just assume that when he's healthy, he gets back from this groin strain, everybody's healthy. Optimal starting lineup. I think you start Terry Rozier because of that rim pressure. I think you have him. I think I think Tyler Hero is still the starter. I don't yes. think you move him to the bench. And like you said, I know that some Heat fans have an issue with Tyler Hero. That's always going to be a case and and whatever. But Tyler Hero is starting. We've I don't know what else to tell you at this point. Like th- there's been enough evidence here that Tyler Hero is a full time starter as long as he's a member of the Miami Heat. It's just happening. So you've got Terry Rozier and you got Tyler Hero starting in your backcourt, which I quite like. I don't think it's as bad as defensively as maybe the reputation is. It's not great defensively. It's not going to be as bad. It's not as small as people think. Tyler Hero is bigger than people believe. He's 6'5". Tyler Hero is a big guy. His wingspan's a negative, yeah. but he's tall. Um, Terry Rozier's wingspan, almost 6'9". That's a good wingspan. So I think they could do some things. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. Who's the four? Who needs to start it forward there with that group? A power forward. To me, right? it's uh, Haywood Highsmith. I think that's the obvious choice. Uh, as much as I like I, it. I like the... I like the possibility of Martin, but I, and I, obviously I like the potential of Jovic and what he can bring. I know and now he'll have a backcourt partner in which to push the pace a little bit more. But I think if you're looking for balance and you're looking for the right you know, combination of players, a guy who doesn't need the ball and who's another outlet option in terms of, let's say, Tyler drives to the rim and then you've got a, a cutting Terry Rozier playing off ball and then he's gets defended well. He's looking for an opportunity to kick the ball out to the perimeter. And you've got Haywood Highsmith, who's good from the elbow. He's good from the corners. He can pop that shot. He looks like he's comfortable and getting better in terms of you know being yep. able to be a, a reliable three-point shooter. And he brings defense at a high level. Again, you're going to be undersized unless you make a trade. So uh, to me, why not at least get a high-level, if not elite-level def- defender in there? a guy who doesn't need the ball very much and, and who won't grumble about minutes or opportunity or anything like that. Cause he's just happy to be out on the floor for now. It's a great point. Uh, the fact that he doesn't need the ball because Rozier needs the ball. Hero needs the ball. Jimmy needs the ball. Bam needs the ball. Uh, I think the shine on Jovic has worn a little bit since he started 10 games in a row. I, I still yeah. like him as a long-term prospect. I just don't know that he's been that helpful in terms of being a starter 
he hasn't been hurt. He hasn't been bad. I just don't know that, you know, whatever. I, I don't know. Why I keep apologizing for this, but it, it's fine. <laughs> um, but the other part about trading Kyle Lowry and putting a offensive threat in that starting lineup is now you can afford to start Haywood Highsmith. Who's not really a threat with the ball in his hands. Like you said, the most threatening he is, is from the corners. Nobody guards him above the break. Nobody like you're only guarding him and only kind of from the corners, but he can make that shot. It's very PJ Tucker-esque. Nobody guarded PJ Tucker, even though he's making the shot at like a 50% clip from the corner. Nobody guarded him. Haywood Highsmith can at least provide that plus the defensive stuff that you mentioned is really why he's in there. So I think that that's the starting five. I think you nailed it. I think that's it. Because now that you don't have Lowry, you can afford to start Haywood Highsmith because instead of having two non-factors on offense in that starting group with Lowry and, and Highsmith, you only have one and you can afford one. In fact, from a fit perspective, it might be best to have one because those other four guys need the ball to your point. So I think you nailed it. I think that's your top. I think that's your starting five. And that brings, uh, assuming Jaime is healthy when he gets healthy, Jaime right. off the bench, Duncan Robinson off the bench. Um, yep. I think Kevin Love is still your backup center. And I think that's your top eight. Oh, and Caleb yep. Martin. That's your top nine. That's your top nine. And then you see where Josh Richardson fits in. You see where Nikola Jovic fits in. You kind of see if there's a Thomas Bryant or Orlando Robinson matchup, et cetera. But I like Love. Caleb, Jaime, and Duncan off the bench as your top nine. Yeah, no, I could see that. I think you kind of stagger the minutes a little bit. Maybe uh, take Tyler and Bam out early, bring Kevin Love and Duncan into that mix, uh, and then you know let let Tyler cook lineups with him and Caleb Martin on the wing, uh, and you get Bam back in there as well. Those could be that kind of balance across the roster that you're looking for. So there's a lot of different options there too. And again, I when. I mean, we're forgetting Jaime Hawkins, who has been such a spark, too. He can play with virtually any lineup. So I don't think there's been a – I don't. I, I wouldn't say that there's like a – he could start and he's come off the bench and he's had the same level of impact in both cases. So I have not a concern about his role or fit on either one of those lineups. Isaac writes in, if this is the only trade that the Heat do for this season, would that be enough, in your opinion, for, for the what? team? Um, what? Enough for what? <laughs> I don't know. I enough for, enough for you. Enough in your opinion. And that's would you be disappointed? That. Like, I regard. Let, let's not play the results here. If if they just make the Terrozier move and they keep the rest of the team the way it is between now and the deadline, would you be disappointed? No, I'll reframe I would the question. Not. I, I would think, not. I would not either. Yeah, I think, I think they would be have having made an attempt to improve this roster and recognizing that that's a level of self awareness that. I think a lot of people question about the Miami front office and, and poorly in doing so, because I obviously this front office has been very, very good and been one of the best for decades. So they've earned the benefit of the doubt. Having said that, it's also not easy to pull the trigger on these kinds of things, because I think there is a sense of loyalty to players as much as you want to make moves to improve your roster, like you signed in Kyle. And I don't think it was, I don't think it was bluster. I don't think it was hyperbole. I, I don't think that, you know, when Eric Spolster talked about QB1 and about the impact of Kyle and the moments he had in the postseason over the last couple of seasons, I think there was genuine respect there. So it's not easy to make these moves, but they made they recognize, look, we can't do this anymore. It's just not working and we've got to try to do something better and bigger. And so to make that move, I'm I'm very proud of the front office for making that kind of acquisition and recognizing we need to do something different. I just don't, you know, these moves are also difficult to make. Like we, we talk about this all the time. Like, you know, guys, guys go on, on the, you know, the armchair general manager and, you know, enter yeah. some names and numbers. And it's like, Oh, I could pull this trade off easily. That's not how it works. It takes, is it a little disappointing months. given that this could have been Damian Lillard or drew holiday? Uh, I mean, sure. I guess, 
but that, that you can go down the road on so many different you know acquisitions like that either free agency or the draft you know it's like oh they should never have taken Michael Beasley in 2008 they should have just taken Kevin Love then and they would have had their front court yeah they could have had Russell Westbrook but, playing alongside uh, Dwayne Wade I mean, Hero would have been involved in a Dame trade or Drew Holiday trade. So you keep Tyler Hero sure. in this and you get um, a good, well, like a, a good starting point guard in Terry Rozier, who's maybe like among the top 100 players in the NBA, he's probably between 90 and 100, Terry Rozier. Yep. yep. But that's better than where they were with Kyle Lowry. It is. Yep. Kyle Lowry wasn't a top 100 player in the NBA anymore. I think so, to say enough, um, you know, to, to kind of look at it from the original question. Like, yes, you know, I mean, again, it's going to take a lot. You're getting a boost from from Rozier. You still have to wait and see what Tyler can do in the playoff and see whether these three players can maximize their respective games at a time when it matters most. And I think bigger question of all, can Jimmy Butler be Jimmy Butler? If those factors all align the way that they did last season and the year before that and two seasons before that, then, yeah. I mean, and Rozier's a guy who can help with the scoring burden in the regular season. The point that I made yesterday was that the Miami Heat they the Miami Heat have a postseason superstar. They don't have a regular season superstar. Terry Rozier is not a regular season superstar. I'm not saying that, but he can at least put 20 points per game up, right? And they just needed one like they just needed one other guy who could just explode for 25 points on any given night, 30 points on any given night. They just didn't have enough of those guys because Jimmy Butler really isn't that guy. But for once every week and a half or so. Um, let's get to a few more questions here. Will the heat make another move before the deadline? You and I think that they're going to seriously explore it. It's hard to know whether, like you were talking about before, it's hard to predict these things. Oh, there's a lot of work that goes into making these deals, but I think that they're going to aggressively explore that. And that's part of the reason, part of the reason that they made a trade now, as opposed to waiting until February. The other reason was that the Kyle Lowry thing was just untenable. They had to get out of that situation, but, and that Terry Rozier is a good player who they like. But yeah, I think I think we can safely say here, and this isn't guessing, the Heat are going to aggressively look at other moves that can help yep. this team between now and the trade deadline. What does that move look like? How about this? Duncan, Caleb, and a second for Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal. I don't think that solves the situation. Like, I mean, as much as, as good as Dorian Finney-Smith is, is shooting from the perimeter, I, I just don't think he's going to provide the same thing that Duncan does as a viable shooter and oh, guy who yeah. can create I mean, off ball. <laughs> you compare so him, I, you're yeah. wearing Finney's with one of the best shooters in the league though. Yeah, but I mean does having a great year and he's shooting really well. I just think yeah. that that's that's all fine, but I think that that also creates a glut positionally too. Like you're gonna have these defensive minded wings too. You're you're basically trading Caleb for Royce O'Neal and that's kind of like an even swap, but you're also giving up on to your point, you know, a really good three point shooter and another guy who's you know, is having a good three-point shooting year, and I think that's basically where it is. I, I mean, I like the idea of Dorian Finney-Smith in Miami. I just don't know if I'd be willing to trade Duncan Robinson for him, too, mm. though, if that, if that makes any sense. So, Finney-Smith is a career 36% three-point shooter. He's shooting 38.6% from three-point range this season. Uh, overall, he's shooting 43% from the corners, which is borderline elite. Not quite elite, but borderline elite. I love Dorian Finney-Smith. If I'm the Miami Heat, that's my target. That's the guy I'm looking at. Really? It is. I, I think he's a good player Another on a very wing? good contract. Uh, on at starting at power forward, six foot seven with a near seven foot wingspan. If you want to talk yeah. about what Haywood Highsmith gives you, like Haywood Highsmith's evolved form is Dorian Finney-Smith. If Haywood Highsmith is Charmander, 
Dorian Finney-Smith is Charizard, okay? You're I know awesome. you don't understand You're that awesome. reference, but some people on YouTube do. Um, so, uh, like, that's that to me is a Heat-type player that makes sense, who's under contract for another year, under team control, 13 to $14 million a year. I would really hesitate to move Duncan Robinson in a deal for Dorian Finney-Smith. The Royce O'Neal thing to me versus Caleb Martin is, is like you said, I don't care. Um, but if I could find a way to build Caleb Martin and some other salaries to get to a Dorian Finney-Smith or something, I don't, I don't know what the trade looks like, but that's a guy who makes a lot of sense to me in terms of a Miami Heat fit, and it's, it's a name that I think the Heat should seriously explore. The Nets are reportedly looking for two first-round picks for Dorian Finney-Smith when pigs fly. That's not going to happen, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. Is, does it cost you Nikola Jovic? If it does, is that the kind of move that you'd be willing to make? I don't. I don't know. I think the Heat are very. I think there are certain parts of the Heat's front office that are very high on Nikola Jovic. I don't know that they'd be willing to move him for Dorian Finney-Smith. But if the goal is to make win now moves, there's no doubt that Finney-Smith helps you more right now than Jovic does. So I don't know. Yeah. I think it's an interesting name. It's a name I really like. It doesn't mean that that's going to happen. Um, Kyle writes in, "What would it take to get somebody like Jeremy Grant?" Uh, all the reporting out of Portland right now, and I've heard the same thing, is that they're actually really happy with Jeremy Grant. They're not looking to move him, and that Jeremy Grant's really happy just putting up points and living in Portland for a while and and cashing in. So I don't know that Jeremy Grant's really a name. It's not a bad place to live. I, I wouldn't mind, you know, getting a big paycheck just to live in Portland for a little bit. I mean, the cold's been brutal there, but aside from that, it's not a it's not a bad way to live. So he's 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 happy. He's fine. Is Larry Markin in a possibility? Uh, yeah. I I no. Not with one available first-round pick, at least. If the Jazz were seriously going to field offers for Larry Markkinen, they could probably get three first-round picks for him at this point. And I don't think they are. Like they're they're playing really well. Not. Like right. I don't. Why would they? Yeah, yeah. No. I think they're going to try and compete for a playoff spot. I mean, they've been better than the Lakers, who are like active in every possible trade scenario. And so I think uh, there's no reason to trade a young all-star who seems to be flourishing there, unless you're going to get a truckload of players and picks and Miami just doesn't have either of those to offer. Maybe not Charizard for Dorian Finney Smith, but maybe more of a Charmeleon. Um, <laughs> You're stuck on this. Somebody, somebody in the comments was like, did you really say Charizard? Yeah, I said Charizard, but maybe more of a Charmeleon. How about Kelly Olenek talking about the Utah Jazz? That's a name that I really like. Uh, if you look at the names, because all the things you just said about the Jazz are absolutely true. Like, I don't know why they would make a move. That team looks really good. Even like a name like Colin Sexton. Who I think yes. the Heat have liked in the past, and I think Heat fans like, and, and mo like, I love Colin Sexton. I'm a big Colin Sexton fan. I don't know why they would trade him. They started making this run when they put him in the starting lineup. Keep him. They're not trading Colin right. Sexton. So, but like a Talon Horton Tucker, a Jordan Clarkson, a Kelly Olynyk, like these are some of those fringe role players that I could see them moving for the right price. I would like, I would welcome Kelly Olynyk back to Miami. I think that's a player that could help. Could obviously, I don't need to sell Heat fans on the Kelly Olynyk vision. They've watched him up close yeah. and in person, but. Can shoot threes, handle the ball, not a great rebounder, defensively leaves a lot of meat on the bone, but could be helpful for this team. What does it cost? His contract at about $12 million. It's really tough to get to. So that's why I would say it's probably not going to happen because I just don't see a way that the Heat can match that salary without sending Duncan Robinson out. And I don't think that you move Duncan Robinson for Kelly Olenek. No, I don't either. I, I don't know. There's got to be... He's got to be another young level player, a guy or a veteran, a minimum uh, making veteran. I, I, I could be in that wheelhouse, but you know, those guys generally aren't Neil movers either. I just, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think about the possibilities there and, and you know, where we're ranking Duncan Robinson, I think is where the front office has him too. Like he's a very good player at this point, like two years ago, that was a very different conversation, but right now considering what he's brought to the table in the postseason, the maturity he's shown, 
the adaptation, the versatility to his game that he's added, I think that makes him much more of a functional player. He's not untouchable. I mean, despite what we kind of talked about with Jake Fisher a couple of weeks ago, or last week, rather, I don't think he's really untouchable. I just think you'd have to move him for a very you know, high-quality player that can at least alleviate the loss of some of that three-point shooting. Um, ideal trade target in your opinion. This is kind of what we're talking about here. I don't, I don't know that there's going to be another big, big move unless the Heat do decide to maybe move one of these bigger contracts. I don't, I don't know who's available. Like, let's say they even put Duncan Robinson up on the trade block. Like, what are you getting back for him? That's at that salary range, right? We're looking at the names that are out there in that range. It's D'Angelo Russell. You're not doing that, right? You're not doing that. Like, I don't know. Does, does, does the, does the Chicago Bulls continue to fall in the standings. So they make a guy like Nikola Vucevic available. I don't know. Maybe is that really the move for Miami? I kind of like, I like Vucevic. I know you like Vucevic. I I, I just, that would be at least one I would explore, but he's not even on the market right now. They're still, they're still caught up in trying to trade Zach Levine. So we'll see what's going on with that. Somebody in Detroit Um, or San Antonio. Like I'm thinking Zach Collins, maybe I think he'd be a nice. So Zach Collins can't get. So a weird thing with Zach Collins, contract is he can't get traded. And, and I, yeah. And I I looked it up the other day and I can't remember why, but he can't get traded. Um, I want him on this team. I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah. And the the NBA is college guy coming out of the draft. I was, (laughs) um, Boyan Bagdanovich, but he's making $20 million. So unless you're willing to move Duncan and I don't know that that's, that's the swap that you're looking at. Um, that makes much sense. But I think, look, if you're looking for power forward help, it might be the buyout market. You know, let's, let's not discount that. The heat also have a $9.4 million trade exception. From the Victor Oladipo trade. Now, I don't think that they're going to use that because of where they are relative to the, the luxury tax. But if they make another cap saving move between now and the deadline, then maybe depending on how much money they save, that becomes more of an option. But now we're talking about like two and three steps down the road. Is there something to give in Toronto with like a Thad Young or an Otto Porter? I, again, I know not needle movers here, not exciting names, but this is kind of what we're talking about in terms an of area like, of need. An area Jeff Green in Houston. Depth. Jeff Green, that like Miami, interesting. Is he willing to? He's the only team know. they haven't played here, and he lives here. He lives in South Florida. I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't season. kicked the tires. Yeah, I'm surprised he hasn't kicked the tires on, on you know signing here. But it seems like the one team he hasn't played for. If they buy him out, I just don't know that they would buy him out. They really like him, and that they kind of brought him to try to trade him. So maybe they put him in. So they could trade Jeff Green in a bigger deal. I think Houston's going to be pretty aggressive between now and the deadline. Um, and so you, if they trade Jeff green and then he gets bought out, that's somebody who does make little enough money now where if he were to get bought out, but again, Jeff green is like a nice player. I don't think he's playing for you in a playoff series. Right. And so I think Mm. you're looking for, I mean, maybe when you played for the final, he played for the nuggets in the finals, but like in terms of a closing five, I, I don't, I don't know that that's the guy. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I think it's gonna be interesting. Um, the heat still open for business. Even after this Terry Rozier deal, we'll be back with you Wednesday night after the Memphis Grizzlies game with reactions. Hopefully our first, uh, thoughts on what, it, uh, Terry Rozier looks like in a Miami Heat uniform. We'll see what happens there. But for now, thanks for making lockdown heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and your favorite podcast 